MSW Media. News was Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, September 3rd, 2020. Today, Trump won't join the World Health Organization's efforts to secure a coronavirus vaccine. Trump says again that China is supporting Biden. Trump stopped going to Dover Air Force Base to receive bodies after his first visit. 81 Nobel laureates endorse Biden for president. Old Navy will pay employees to be poll workers on Election Day. Melania Trump used private email accounts while in the White House. Trump is backing out of a $647 million ventilator deal after being investigated by ProPublica. A Kenosha business owner declines a Trump photo op, so Trump made one up. Trump joked that Sarah Huckabee Sanders should sleep with Kim Jong-un. The Department of Homeland Security withheld information that the Russians were spreading disinformatia on Biden's mental health. And the German government makes a statement on Putin opposition leader Alexei Navalny's poisoning. I'm your host, A.G. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback about Dana Goldberg joining yesterday's show and becoming a member of our team. Uh, later today, we'll be joined by Mandy, Mandy Reeder, for the Good News Block, and I'm super excited about that, Mandy Reedy. I'll also be speaking with Andrew Laufer about the status of some of the cases we've been following, along with the discussion about equal justice under the law and Breonna Taylor. This will be the first time uh, he's appearing on Daily Beans, so I'm excited to get to speak with him. Also, I'll be appearing on the Narrative Podcast next Tuesday. And in the most recent episode of Opening Arguments with my friend Andrew Torres, you can hear me discuss what happened with me at the VA. Tomorrow, we'll be joined by the voice of She-Ra on Netflix, uh, of course, real-life superhero Amy Carrero. We have a lot going on today, as you can tell by the giant intro. So we have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, everybody, here are the headlines today. The Department of Homeland Security withheld publication of a July intelligence bulletin to law enforcement agencies warning that Russia may try to undermine Joe Biden's candidacy by denigrating his mental and physical health, citing quality concerns about the report's sourcing. That's why DHS Chad Wolf decided to withhold quality concerns. Uh, the draft bulletin by the DHS Office of Intelligence and Analysis, which is called I&A, was first reported and published by ABC News, and it raises concerns that Russian malign influence actors would promote allegations about candidates' health to influence the outcome of 2020, uh, the election. The report cites posts by Russian state media outlets RT and Sputnik about Biden's mental health between September 2019 and May 2020. In March, a Russian proxy website, quote, refuted media claims that the candidate's gaffes are the result of a stutter, instead arguing these verbal miscues are symptoms of dementia. Uh, this unclassified bulletin also notes that RT and Sputnik questioned Hillary Clinton's mental and physical health during the 2016 election. So if you were sharing her flu thing or, you know, the thing where she kind of got a little dizzy after visiting the 9-11 memorial, that's courtesy of Russia. The U.S. intelligence community cited RT's negative coverage of Clinton's health in its January 2017 assessment that Russia interfered in the 2016 president presidential election. The DHS document also noted that Iranian, Iranian and Chinese state media, in contrast, have focused on allegations concerning the mental health of the president, Trump. The intelligence community has concluded that Russia, China, and Iran are all actively interfering in the 2020 election. 
Bill Evanina, the director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, said in an August statement that Russia is using a range of measures to primarily denigrate Biden. China prefers that President Trump does not win re-election. Uh, Evanina said, while Iran may try to undermine democratic institutions and Trump. A DHS spokesperson said in a statement that the bulletin lacked the necessary context and evidence for a broader dissemination outside of the department's intelligence office. A DHS spokesperson. Quote, after briefing the acting secretary and he asked questions, I and a career leadership decided to delay the product for further review. These quality concerns in the work process and tradecraft of INA were also at issue last month when acting secretary took an action to remove I&A leadership. Hmm. Brian Murphy, the former acting undersecretary for INA, was reassigned by act- acting secretary Chad Wolf last month after reports revealed his office had gathered intelligence on American journalists. So coming from the administration that said the intelligence community assessment in 2017 that said Russia interfered on behalf of Trump was garbage because different agencies had different levels of confidence. And coming from the administration that said Russian bounty intelligence was garbage because different agencies had different levels of confidence. Who now believes that this administration uh, is correct when they say this intelligence from the DHS is garbage because it, it, you know, different agencies have different levels of confidence. I mean, that's the goal, right? To dismantle and discredit our intelligence agencies. This is an effort partly led by acting DHS secretary, acting DHS secretary, Chad Wolf, who's illegally acting, by the way, by holding his position, according to the government accountability office. And this is also this to dismantle this effort to dismantle and discredit our IC is also partly led Uh, by wholly unqualified, once-denied, twice-shy director of national intelligence, Ratcliffe, who has recently and suddenly stopped election security briefings to Congress. As we know, Timothy Snyder's book, On Tyranny, gives us 20 lessons to avoid losing the rule of law in our country from the 20th century. Number two of the 20 is to defend institutions. He says, it is institutions that help us preserve decency. They need our help as well. Do not speak of our institutions unless you make them yours by acting on their behalf. Institutions do not protect themselves. The fall one after the other. They fall one after the other unless each is defended from the beginning. So choose an institution you care about and take its side. Well, we take the side of U.S. intelligence agencies over Chad Wolf, the unacting Secretary of Homeland Security, over Trump and over Putin any day. And Trump has glommed onto this idea that China supports Biden. But the difference between China preferring Joe and Russia actively helping Trump steal an election is massive. Do not let Evanina equate these two things. We've talked about this with Frank Ficaluzzi also. You, you might have heard on past shows. Keep sharing facts in the face of disinformation. And why do you think Trump hates vote by mail? Russia can't hack paper ballots. So pick an institution and defend it. The IC, the post office, the CDC, NOAA, the VA, a local paper, a law, a union. Pick one and defend it from this acting president. In other news, the Trump administration says the U.S. will not participate in a global push to develop a COVID-19 vaccine, in part because the effort was led by the World Health Organization, which the White House describes as corrupt and has accused of initially aiding China in covering up the scope of the pandemic. By refusing to take part, the U.S. is effectively cutting itself off from more than 170 countries in discussions to join the COVID-19 Vaccine Global Access Facility, or COVAX. 
The initiative is, quote, aimed at working with vaccine manufacturers to provide countries worldwide equitable access to safe and effective vaccines. And it's co-led by the World Health Organization, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations and the Vaccine Alliance, GAVI, or GAVI. This is novel, coming from the grifter that profits off miracle cures that don't work, as he guts the inspectors general overseeing COVID relief money and fires the career professional tasked with preventing fraud in peddling fake cures. And uh, in other Trump news, he has said he's gone to Dover to receive the bodies of fallen servicemen and women many, many times, many, many times. But in reality, he's been four times, and he avoided going altogether for over two years because the father of a fallen soldier refused to shake his hand. On February 1st, 2017, Bill Owens, father of William Ryan Owens, uh, refused to shake his hand and told Trump he was responsible for his son's death for approving the disastrous raid in Yemen without bothering to understand the risks. So, just another lie from HuffPost today. In other news, quote, you can count on one hand the number of times Donald Trump has been to Dover. This is John Soltz, chairman of the progressive political group Vote Vets, and he's an Iraq war veteran. Quote, there's simply no bottom when it comes to what he'll lie about. I wish there were more outrage about Trump lying about the dignified transfer of the fallen for political reasons, because as a veteran, it really disgusts me. Yeah, me too. And many of you saw Maddo last night. Stephanie Wolkoff's book, Melania and Me, is out. And in it, among many things, she says Melania used a private email account to conduct business. Well, the Washington Post followed up on this claim, and they have viewed messages dated after the inauguration that appeared to be from a private email and messaging accounts used by Melania Trump. The messages contain discussions of government hires and contracts, including Winston Wolkoff's. They included detailed schedules for the president and first lady during the Israeli and Japanese state visits, strategic partnerships for the first lady's Be Best initiative, the logic, the, the excuse me, the logistics of the Easter egg roll. That's big, big news. And finances for the presidential inauguration. That one's a little important. That one's a little important considering what else we've learned from Wolkoff's book and what we have been sort of following for the last three years on this podcast with uh, the corruption inside the investigation, including and starting with the indictment of Sam Patton, found funneling foreign money, Russian money, through pro-Russian Ukrainian Americans into the inaugural. Still about $40 million missing. And any of this, key, any reason, key parts of, of, of all of this, um, which Winston Walkoff, an experienced New York City events producer, planned. So produced. So she, you know, she she did the Easter egg roll. She did the Be Best initiative, the Japanese and Israeli state visits. And, and so, of course, Walkoff has access to all of that. But Washington Post followed up. And from ProPublica, the federal government is backing out of a controversial $646.7 million deal to buy ventilators from Royal Phillips NV, acting before the company had delivered a third of their order. The deal has been a focus of several ProPublica stories since March. That reporting prompted a congressional investigation last month and found evidence of fraud, waste, and abuse in the acquisition of of the ventilators. This week, the House Committee on Oversight and Reform's Subcommittee on Economic and Consumer Policy announced it's expanding its probe to look at other coronavirus-related deals negotiated by Pete Navarro, the president's trade advisor who served as the point man on the Phillips deal. Hmm. Hmm. Navarro. In addition, 
The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which oversaw the Phillips contract, confirmed that the deal is the subject of an internal investigation and legal review. Navarro did not respond to a request for comment, according to ProPublica, but Sarah Matthews, a White House spokeswoman, defended Navarro on Tuesday, saying he has played a vital role in our response to the pandemic, helping to oversee the use of a federal act that compelled production of critical supplies and created thousands of jobs in the process. While the Trump administration has been focused on saving lives, House Democrats continue to focus on pointless investigations, she wrote. And uh, in other news, a business owner in Kenosha, Wisconsin, is accusing President Trump of using his destroyed store for political gain during a visit to the city on Tuesday. Tom Graham is his name. He's the owner of a century-old store called Rhodes Camera Shop that burned to the ground last week amid protests following the police shooting of Jacob Blake. And he told local outlet TMJ4 that he declined the White House's request to be part of Trump's tour of the damage. He says, quote, I think everything he does turns into a circus and I didn't want to be involved in it. Graham also said he was stunned to see the store's former owner, John Rode, who sold the family business to Graham eight years ago, participating in the tour with the president. John Rode III, owner of Rode's camera shop, Trump said as he introduced Rode during a roundtable conversation. Rode also walked with the president during a tour of the wreckage and praised the president's response to the demonstrations. So, another fake photo up. We also learned today about another book we're not going to buy. Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders wrote in her memoir that President Trump joked in 2018 that she should hook up with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un after he winked at her. This is from a Guardian report. Sanders' book detailed that the president teased her, encouraging her to, quote, go to North Korea and take one for the team after the officials had met Kim during a summit in Singapore in June of 2018. A copy of the book, titled Speaking for Myself, is slated to be released on Tuesday. It was obtained, this, a copy of the book was obtained by The Guardian. Yeah, take one for the team, wink, wink. Gross. Finally, the German government said Wednesday that Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny was poisoned with a chemical nerve agent from the Novichok group. Uh, Alexei Navalny, quote, this is from, uh, quote, uh, Alexei Navalny was the victim of an attack with the chemical nerve agent of the Novichok group. And this is according to Angela Merkel. This poison can be detected without a doubt in the samples. That means Alexei Navalny is definitely the victim of a crime. They wanted to silence him, and I condemn this in the strongest possible terms, also on behalf of the entire federal government. That's from Angela Merkel. Of course, Trump is silent. Merkel added, there are very serious questions now, which only the Russian government can and must answer. The fate of Alexei Navalny has received a lot of attention worldwide. The world will wait for an answer. Now, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov said Wednesday that the Kremlin had not received any information from Germany that Navalny was poisoned with a substance from the Novichok group. And that's according to Russian state news agency TASS or TASS. And if the name Peskov sounds familiar, it should. You'll find him all over the Mueller report as the contact Cohen worked with in 2016 on the Trump Tower Moscow project, the one that Donald lied about all throughout his campaign. I have no projects with the Russians. So that's uh, headlines from under the radar today. Um, We'll be right back after this quick break. We're going to have a discussion with civil rights expert and civil rights attorney Andrew Laufer. You don't want to miss it, so stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
everybody. Thanks so much for listening to The Daily Beans. Today's episode is brought to you by Caliper CBD. We all know we're supposed to be practicing self-care, but no one said taking care of yourself should be hard or complicated. It shouldn't stress you out to de-stress. And the great thing about CBD is that it helps you feel better without having to make drastic changes to your routine. Personally, CBD has helped me feel more calm. It helps me sleep easier, and I feel less sore after workouts. Uh, I'm not big on measuring out eyedroppers full of tinctures, and that's why I'm excited that Caliper CBD has introduced a better way to consume CBD. It's a powder. And unlike oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless and mixes easily in any food or drink, and it has precisely 20 milligrams in each packet, so you'll never question how much CBD you're taking. I often put it in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake. It is clinically proven also that you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper CBD powder as compared to tinctures. That is a huge difference. And you get all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes, which is twice as fast uh, on average as CBD oil. And Caliper is completely THC-free, so you get all the benefits of CBD without any intoxicating or mind-altering effects. You can stay sharp. Caliper is made with all natural, non-GMO ingredients, no fillers, added chemicals, or artificial flavors. So take care of yourself, but also make it easy on yourself to do so with Caliper CBD. You can get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at tricaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days, and if you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. That's tricaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I have some questions today about some of the cases that seem to have been left behind. Uh, And joining me today to discuss, first time appearing on our show, civil rights attorney. Um, He also owns LauferLawGroup.com, and you can find him at LauferLaw on Twitter, LauferLawGroup on Twitter. Uh, Andrew Laufer, thanks for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about, first of all, an update on a couple of cases, because there's a lot going on, and it seems to be coming to a crescendo here just right before the election. I want to know, recently we got a decision in the McGann case. I mean, it went... As you know, it went on bonk and on bonk said the House does have jurisdiction or standing to file this lawsuit. And they kicked it back down to the lower courts. And now it's come back up again. And in a, a an appellate court panel, two to one, they decided that the House can't get the, um, you know, can't issue the subpoena for Don McGahn. And I thought that that was really weird. I thought that was a really odd sort of uh, decision on their part, odd ruling on their part. And I was hoping maybe you could clarify some of the information in those decisions. And do you think that this will go on bonk? Yeah, I mean, I I believe it will go on bonk. I think it's ridiculous to say that Congress doesn't have power to subpoena uh, witnesses. I mean, that's essentially what they're saying. It doesn't matter where these witnesses come from. Um, They absolutely have standing to do it. And it's for a legitimate non-political purpose. I mean, they're investigating... Um, you know, a number of different things that uh, touch upon illegality uh, that involves this administration. So I think um, it is really a disservice, um, the decision that was handed down, especially after the uh, previous en banc um, decision, clearly stating that Congress has the authority to do this. Yeah, and especially when you're looking into obstruction of justice based on a DOJ investigation in the special counsel's office, with which was what McGahn was involved in. And on July 27th, uh, Jerry Nadler, uh, House Judiciary, filed um, for uh, the the underlying materials, saying that they were using their Article One power of impeachment. And it's implied in the Constitution that the House can issue these subpoenas lawfully. 
Uh, and there actually is a law in the book because Griffith wrote in his ruling on the last day uh, on the bench, by the way, um, he's a he's a Kavanaugh Roberts kind of fella, uh, wrote that um, you have to have a law. Congress could pass a law saying that uh, the House can compel subpoenas, but there's already a law and it's implied in the Constitution. But he also said, well, then Congress should exercise its inherent contempt powers. So, OK, should we do that? I, I see nothing wrong with doing that. I think it's 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 this, if there's any any time in the history of our republic to do something like that. It is now do it. Don't you know, I mean, you can you can certainly go on bond, too. I would do everything in you know, if I was in Speaker Pelosi's shoes or Jerry Nadler's shoes, um, I would certainly uh, exercise that as well as appealing, um, you know, uh, in, the, in the circuit there to get an en banc um, hearing. Um, no doubt. I mean, and, and to a certain degree, I, I agree with him, even though I, I don't agree with that Congress doesn't have the power to it. They, they absolutely do. And, you know, as we stated earlier. Yeah, they've just been using the courts or the Department of Justice uh, to do contempt proceedings, or, you know, for people who don't answer subpoenas. But uh, so a, a major worry here is that this subpoena is issued by this Congress, 116th Congress. And after the election, you know, we replace the House of Representatives every two years or, you know, we reelect. And uh, sure. and these subpoenas will be mooted. They'll expire uh, January 3rd, I believe, of this coming January. Right. Correct. And they have to be reissued by the committees once they're formed. So this is the delay tactic. Yes. Run out the clock. Well, what else is new? <laughs> <laughs> uh, another run out the clock question for you. The House Ways and Means tax case, right, where they, they said uh, we need to see Donald Trump's tax returns because we need to check out the the effectiveness of the presidential tax audit program. They had a, le- a legislative purpose. And I believe that the judge in that case was waiting to see what happened in the McGahn case. But there still isn't any movement on it, even though on bonk they decided that the House had jurisdiction or had cause uh, to to bring these cases. Uh, are they do you have any idea why um, this is still sitting in the circuit court? It hasn't even gone to its first round of appeals or on bonk or SCOTUS. We don't I don't think that, you know, with that kind of time schedule between now and January 3rd, I, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Right. I mean, you know, that's usually what happens with a lot of these cases against, you know, um, you know presidential administrations. They, you know, they run out the clock. They use um, delaying tactics, you know, you know, the administration's lawyers to, you know, essentially just wait until they, they, they move these things out. Um, you know, although I will say, you know, during um, Watergate, uh, the, the courts moved very quickly um, to expedite, you know, various things and various issues, um, you know, in, in, in terms of getting discovery out of um, you know, the Nixon administration. Here, you know, they're moving quickly on certain issues, but on others like this, you know, it, it, I guess it's not really um, a hot button enough um, for uh, the court to really issue a decision at this juncture. <laughs> it's hot button for me, but understood. It's for me, too. <laughs> and, you know, in the House Ways and Means case, I know New York legislature passed a bill and, and Cuomo signed it into law saying that they would hand over and could hand over New York state tax returns for Trump if and only if the House Ways and Means Committee and two other committees named in the bill would simply ask for them. But Richie Neal hasn't uh, done that. And uh, I think he I think he was trying to avoid seeming political 
But he hasn't done that, although we do know uh, that Tish James and, and Manhattan DA Cy Vance probably already have under this law the New York state tax returns and have for a while. Right. I, I, absolutely. I would absolutely imagine. But I wouldn't be surprised if they also have their federal Trump's federal returns as well. But they're obviously not public. With mm. that. Right. Right. Now. Yeah. So what, why, why do you think they are waiting or trying so hard on this Mazar's case um, if they presumably, I mean, maybe not. Maybe they don't have everything they need. I have a feeling that they've done their full investigations. They have indictments teed up in, in, in Cy Vance's office. And not necessarily for Trump, but anybody who works with the Trump organization for fraud and inflating assets and shit like that. Do you... Bayrock, for example. Yes. So what is it... What what else is it from Mazars? Do you th- I, 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 there has to be some sort of key piece of evidence that the grand jury needs in order to move forward with these indictments? But I don't imagine it will take long once they have that. Once they have those documents, right? I mean, you know, grand jury subpoena, um, you know, obviously needs to be complied with as soon as possible. I, you know, and, and I, I don't know why they're waiting. I think they should. You know, I, I have no idea. I mean, that, that's a good question. I mean, it could possibly be they're just waiting. It's, it's a timing issue. You know, I mean, we're we're this close to you know, the presidential, and um, it could be that um, you know they may wait till after it. I, 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 you know, I, I hope not. You know, I, you know, I don't think we really should stand on ceremony here with regard to any kind of disclosures, especially dealing with you know illegality that very possibly was engaged in, or most likely engaged in by this administration and Trump and his and his sycophants and his kids and everyone else. Um, so I, I, you know, they they should. I would imagine they would move as soon as they get everything that they need. Yeah, but that could be a while. We know we now know that they've granted the stay, uh, and the, so the next hearing is September twenty fifth for the merits. You know, and his argument, of course, is that this could cause me irreparable harm. And I, I spoke to Renato Mariotti about this yesterday. I was like, what kind of irreparable harm would you face if something gets handed over to a grand jury? That's the most secret, secrety place you can hand anything. And uh, sure. I, I imagine the irreparable harm could be, I don't know, prison? Like what? <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Federal prison. Not a fun place to be. But to, but to use that in a legal argument seems disingenuous at best. It seems, yeah, disingenuous. And also they have nothing. They have nothing else. This is ridiculous. I mean, can you, can you imagine being a judge and having somebody go, yeah, but the reason is it's devastating to my case and I could end up in jail. That's why I don't want these things handed over. Or maybe you shouldn't have broken the law, you know, and you not have these types of worries <laughs> and concerns. Oh. All right. Well, hey, I've got two, a uh, couple more questions for you. And this uh, sure. focuses more on civil rights, but I have to take a quick break. Would you stick with me through this break and, and we'll be right back? Without question. All right. Wonderful. Thank you, Andrew. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. This segment of Daily Beans is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Like many of you, for the past three and a half years, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping. I toss and turn at night. I'm unable to get comfortable. I feel tired and sore the next day. And at first, I thought my lack of sleep was being caused by the nonstop nightmare of having a crass, corrupt criminal conspiracy theorist as president. But as it turns out, it was also my garbage mattress. Thank goodness for Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep understands you're unique and it customizes your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep best. And you've heard me rave about mine and Jordan and Mandy and and Joelle. We all love our Helix mattresses. 
And Helix Sleep created a sleep quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete, and all the answers match your body and body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So it's customized. So if you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or if you sleep really hot, with Helix, there is a mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. Like me, I was matched to the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But don't take my word for it. Helix was actually awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and now 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And they have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. I've been talking to Andrew Laufer uh, of lauferlawgroup.com and a civil rights attorney, civil rights expert. And my next question for you, Andrew, is I want to talk to you about Breonna Taylor. It's been over 100 days. No arrests have been made. And my concern is that the Kentucky Attorney General is going to be the one who's going to, you know, make the decisions. I'm assuming also a grand jury, but I think that, you know, uh, but he's going to be the one who makes the decision about whether to arrest, make arrests, or bring charges in the Breonna Taylor case. And he appeared at the RNC talking about violence in the streets and blah, blah, blah. So question for you, how much influence does an attorney general have? Like, do you you remember back in the day when Barr was trying to get Andy McCabe indicted and the grand jury wouldn't do it? Um, How much influence does a state attorney general or an attorney general have on whether or not a grand jury brings charges? Can they taint the grand jury by uh, introducing evidence in a biased way? Well, you know, with regard to that, uh, you know, political uh, prosecutions take on a a new type of, um, you know, uh, view of things. Uh, In terms of tainting, I don't know if it's so much tainting, but it's, it's, you know, the the prosecutor can present his case uh, or her case in any way they seem deem fit before the grand jury and the grand jury ultimately decides if they vote true bill or not. The prosecutor's office could also just file a criminal complaint without seeking an indictment. Um, you know, that's another way they can go about it. Um, you know, you also have civil potential civil rights violations, which if we had a normal DOJ, they can investigate this, this, this murder, uh, this killing and, and bring charges themselves, if, you know, uh, under federal law. Um, I think it's unseemly that he appeared at the RNC. Uh, I think that it's unseemly whenever a politician or, or, or someone in, in, in very visible high authority comments on prosecutions, comments on their personal views of what should occur in terms of indictments, in terms of what juries should do. Um, you know, it, it, that's what I see a lot of from this administration and, and their and their fellow, you know, and their gang members here, um, you know, they, they love to do PR um, stunts and, 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 and address their clients' issues, legal issues, before, uh, you know, the court of public opinion, which I think is foolish on a number of different levels, and, you know, really tries to sway, you know, a public view of things. What I, and I've tried tons of cases, dozens, you know, you, you name it, you know, over the 20 years I've been practicing, and I always find that no matter what political views one may have, um, juries usually get things right. They, they are respectful to, to the judge. They listen to the judge when they're being charged um, during those charging conferences, and they really go through the evidence. 
and they really look at everything and they're very thorough. So I think it's foolish to do this. I think it may turn a lot of people off. I think that, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to see, and we've already seen a number of instances where judges have ruled, you know, um, Suspante from the bench on, on, you know, um, defendants or parties in a, in a suit from, from expressing their views about, you know, um, the case on their large social media platforms, which I think is the right move. You want the case to be as untainted and as uninfluenced as you possibly can to the jury. But even if it is, there's some slight here or there uh, in terms of opinion from these people. Um, I think the jury usually gets it right anyway. Yeah, the grand jury you're talking about, right? Grand jury or or just a regular, you know, pettit jury or, you know, criminal jury, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, because we, you know, we well remember uh, the lead juror um, in the Stone case, which was one of the, she was one of the reasons Stone was trying to get his whole case thrown out or get a retrial or get a new judge based on the fact that she had made postings on, on social media about something or other. But of course, Judge Berman Jackson denied that request. Right. And, and she did, she did correctly. I mean, this was subsequent to the, to the ruling. She's allowed to comment on it at that point. Um, you know, I, I just think that, and I really, you know, on a side note, I love what uh, Judge uh, ABJ is doing right now with regard to, you know, looking at the stone commutation, um, you know, allowing, you know, um, there to be briefing as to the legality of it, because my opinion clearly is an unlawful commutation that, that Trump did. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's nothing there. You're entitled to, you know, it didn't affect the trial. They have to demonstrate that there was some sort of, you know, material prejudice in the Stone case that led you know, during his conduct that led to his um, finding of guilt. And there's just nothing there. It's just it's again, just throwing whatever they can against the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. And of course, he's withdrawn his appeal after his commutation because he doesn't want to go through trial again. <laughs> he no, found guilty again. <laughs> Uh, exactly. And I'm hoping that Judge Sullivan in the Flynn case um, would do the same thing ABJ is doing uh, yeah. in, in the face of a pardon from Trump. Yeah, I, I have a very strong suspicion that he will. I mean, you've already seen what he's done with regards to the games that Barr is attempting to play here. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing. They filed a motion to dismiss the, the you know, the, the criminal case, but... You know, it, it it was after a plea of guilty, you know, three, you know, done three times on the twice in the record. At least. He signed off on the on the plea agreement uh, with with prosecutors. It is just it stinks. You know, so what Judge um, Sullivan uh, did here was what hiring um, Judge uh, Gleason to to, you know, vet what went on. Amicus. Yeah. Yeah. As amicus, which I think is beautiful. Let let you know, I would let Trump try to, you know. Pardon or commutate uh, um, the, the the upcoming sentence of Flint. Let, let him do that, and I guarantee you, a lot of dirty laundry is going to be there. Yeah, yeah. So either way, and the the funny part about that is Flint would be out of prison by now if he, if he had just yeah. fuck, taken his it medicine is. and and testified in the Bijan Kion case. Uh, but no, uh, and gosh, what could his motivations be? I'm kidding. Um, it's so so weird, right? Uh, I, but to get back to the the Breonna Taylor case and equal justice under the law, uh, I wanted to bring this up uh, finally with you because um, 
many of our listeners are very upset about people like Trump and Flynn getting stay after stay and consideration after consideration, due process after due process, um, and low set, lower sentencing recommendations, um, which average people, um, especially mm-hmm. people of color, those are considerations they do not get. And a lot of our listeners are like, you know, the, you know, for example, the, the, the man who stole a backpack and went to prison for five years and we can't get Flynn in for two months. Um, yeah. And I that disparity is awful and it needs to be we need to reform that somehow. But I, my, I think the message I want to get across and I wanted to ask you about this is that we shouldn't be tearing down the rule of law and due process in order to put criminals away for longer than they should be, meaning we shouldn't throw Flynn in prison for 14 years, even though the sentencing recommendations are zero to six months, uh, what we should be doing is elevating everyone else up to that level of equal protection under the law. Uh, and, right. and I think that that's a kind of an important message that uh, that I think we need to 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 bring here. And I, I was wondering if you, you know, if you had anything to say about something like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You don't need to knock someone down to raise someone else up. All right. You bring someone else up and and ensure that they're equally protected and they have the type of, um, you know, they have the ability to be able to defend themselves and, and, and protect their civil rights and their and their interests as much as anyone else. I mean, that's the goal. How, how do we do that? Though? I mean, like what, what, what are some like mechanical applicable ways of, to do that? A lot of a lot of times, you know, the primary culprit here is money. Um, you know, where you get white collar um, criminals who can hire high priced lawyers who can really, you know, paper prosecutors to death and, you know, make motion after motion, you know, ask for adjournments left and right and, and really kind of jam things up for a while uh, until, you know, the prosecutors may want to enter into a more favorable plea agreement. When you have someone who's dealing with a, you know, a federal, you know, uh, legal aid type uh, of attorney who are excellent attorneys. They're just overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. A million cases. Right, like Child Protective Services, for example. Like we, yeah, exactly. one person has 1,200 kids they have to take care of. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, no human being can adequately and reasonably represent the rights, you know, for the, for the point you just wrote up of 1,200 kids. You know, I mean, that, that's just insane. You need more money put into these types of avenues. You know, in New York, we have aid, we have public defenders, you know, different ones, Bronx defenders. Um, you have... Um, any number of different entities that can that can provide this service, but more money needs to be put into them. Okay, uh, so they can hire more attorneys to kind of you know reasonably address. You know, we also have 18B here in your uh, program where you have private attorneys that are paid by the state to represent um, defendants like this. But you, you need to put more money into these services, so it's more attractive for attorneys to kind of who have a million millions of loans, you know, to to kind of do this type of thing, this type of public service. I think it's very important. Um, and, and I think that's really the key. You, you put any defend, you put, you put a defendant with a lawyer who can spend the appropriate amount of time uh, working on their case and defending them in court on the level of a white shoe uh, law firm could do for, you know, um, you know one of their clients, you're going to see a big change. Yeah, I, I think equal protection under the law means equal due process under the law. And um, I think the other side of that, and, and I, I, when, you know, when I spoke to uh, Andrew McCabe, he said um, for prosecuting white collar crimes, our resources were 
totally decimated after 9-11 and everybody went into counterterrorism. So we don't even have enough go money going to support investigations and, and convictions and indictments of white collar criminals. Right. And, you know, that's that's the whole thing. It's allocation of resources. We can allocate more resources to these public defender type types. We can certainly give um, you know people who are, you know, poor or indigent and, you know, more of a chance to, to get uh, the type of representation they're really truly entitled to. That's what we really need to do. That's how, that's the angle of reform I, I would seek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think part of the defund the police movement or the reform the police movement should include, you know, pulling money out of these militarized police departments and putting it into defense funds for for everyday citizens. Absolutely. I don't like the word defund the police because we kind of need them. I like reform and we need a lot of reform. There's a lot of work that we need to do, um, you know, with regard to how they police, you know, the broken windows policing that they've had for decades that they use and, you know, very the type of aggressive, you know, conflict escalation to overpower uh, someone, you know, needs to kind of take more of a de-escalation type tone to calm things down more, um, you know, things of that nature. Uh, you know, there's a lot There's a training tremendous, tremendously um, needs to be reformed and, and retooled. I mean, it's just it, it's ridiculous. You're sending people out there that just are not adequately trained to deal with a myriad of situations, including people that are, you know, emotionally disturbed. Um, you know, everything is about overpowering a perceived force they may be looking at, you know, whether or, or defiance they may be looking at. That's their that's their bottom line right now. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, you know, with with big and the, the many cops have complained for decades that they don't want to be the ones to go out for, on certain kinds of calls and, and that that money should be reallocated. And, you know, I have personal stories myself where I have been underserved uh, by the police department and um, and I am brimming with privilege so i can't even imagine um you know what it's like for anybody else but uh andrew lawfer thank you so much for uh for, well, it's for my joining pleasure. me to tell remind everyone where they can find you you can find me at lawforlawgroup.com and also lawforlaw on twitter and facebook right. thank you so much great speaking with you today thanks again everybody hang tight we'll be right back after this quick break with the good news block so stay with us Hey everybody, it's AG. It has been an insanely hot summer, and we all know it's important to stay hydrated. Drinking enough water increases your brain power. It boosts productivity. Uh, It boosts your immune system. It prevents headaches. It increases focus, improves your skin and your mood, helps your digestion, gives you energy, prevents bad breath, and can even help you lose weight. But how much water should you drink every day? Ten cups? A gallon? Uh, Do you need an IV? (laughs) Don't do that. Uh, The good news is uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. That's why I start my day with Hydrant. Hydrant helps you hydrate faster. Uh, Hydrant has created a refreshing electrolyte powder that you mix directly into water to more effectively and efficiently hydrate your body. It hydrates you quickly and keeps you going for longer. And each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, including sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. And it packs a punch to help your body hydrate fast and stay hydrated. If you're looking for that extra boost of energy, there's also Hydrant Plus Caffeine, which contains 100 milligrams of caffeine from green tea. And Hydrant is backed by research, science, science. The formula was developed by an Oxford scientist. It's also loved by pro athletes, top performers, celebrities, and it has thousands of five-star reviews. It's made with real fruit juice powder. It's delicious and refreshing and comes in a variety of flavors, including new summer-friendly iced tea, lemonade, and fruit punch. My current favorite is lime. It tastes amazing, and I always feel refreshed and revitalized afterwards. And it's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love it, send it back for a full refund. You really need to try it for yourself to see what I'm talking about. It tastes incredible, and it works. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. 
Save even more with a monthly subscription. And we've got a special deal for our listeners to save 25% off your first order. So go to drinkhydrant.com slash dailybeans or enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans for 25% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And joining me today for the good news block is my friend and your friend, Amanda Reeder. Hey, Mandy Reedy. Hello, AG. How are you? I'm so happy to have you on today. It is me so too. nice to hear your lovely voice. Thank you. Yes, it's so nice to be on. I'm happy to pop in. How is Marley Moo? Uh, Marley, not to be the bearer of bad news, but my precious little baby had to go to the vet today, and we're hoping that everything is fine, but potentially it might not be fine. So please cross your fingers and say whatever hippie prayers that you would like to say. But I'm sure he's fine. But you asked, so I had to say. <laughs> sending all the good vibes. Sending mm-hmm. all the good vibes your way for the pod dog. Thank you. Um, little Marley Moo. Um, now, uh, I've got a little bit of good news before we go into the listener-submitted good news. And by mm-hmm. the way, listeners, if you want to submit your good news, personal or political, head to, is it thedailybeanspod.com, I believe? Dailybeanspod.com. Okay. Dailybeanspod.com. And click contact, and you'll be able to see you can submit your quarantine confessions, which we will now be doing um, starting next week on Daily Beans again. And you can also submit your good news stories. So please do. We love to hear your good news stories, and we will read them during the good news block. Now, my little piece of good news here. First up, Old Navy, you know, where you get your uh, workout tank tops and stuff and socks and basics. Um they have decided that they are going to pay employees to be poll workers on election day. And I love this so hard. Wow. Wow. I mm-hmm. That's incredible. And along with the NBA declaring that they want to turn, you know, a lot of their stadiums and arenas and stuff into polling stations. It's I'm it's just this is rad to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully um football stadiums and baseball parks and everything hopefully they will all follow turn them into mega sites mega voting sites for to and that will help with alleviating the lines it will help with social distancing you'll be able to put these uh voting stations more than six feet apart and uh i i'm really excited about that but good on you old navy mm-hmm. every other major corporation and small corporation that can afford it should do this they should pay their employees to be poll workers on election day i love it so it's a paid day off but you're working but you're working the polls love it i i think it's great all right now on to uh listener submitted good news and uh i'll go ahead i'll kick this off our first good news story comes from janet janet's pronouns are she her and janet says last week i was lazing in bed half asleep listening to podcasts when i heard a noise i bolted out of bed and rushed around the house looking for our cats to defend them from the strange dog that somehow ended up in our house good news the cats were fine but puzzled at my concern it was just coco in my headphones Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm going to make sure that Jordan hears this. I'm going to send this. The, the, I'm going to send her the link to this episode so she hears this. And those are quality headphones, man. You know, they have that in the background with the dog and you think it's in your house. Good job on your headphones. Yeah, nice. 
Hmm. Um, this next one's from Anonymous, he, him, and he says, I finally got a desk for my work from home situation. Month six, that's not too bad, dude. <laughs> now I'm not spread out all over the kitchen table. The even better news is that I'm still in the kitchen and close to snacks. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you bought uh, a new horizontal surface to put in your kitchen next to your other horizontal surface to work from so that you may be close to snacks. Ergonomics are important, but so are snacks. Yes. And uh, Mandy, you can attest to this. We are snack people. Oh, God. I'm such a snack person. Um, <laughs> this next one, uh, <laughs> it's all you. All right. This is from Carrie. Carrie uh, has pronouns she, her, and Carrie says, hello, beans, queens. I acquired an unusual invisible disability about two years ago. I lost my sense of smell. This is called anosmia. Without smell, I can't taste beyond sweet, salty, and sour. So food is basically dead to me, and it's been a lot of grief, plus a huge adjustment to living in a world that I can only see, hear, and touch. Then I discovered the Smell Podcast, and I became connected to anosmics all over the world, along with a network of compassionate and understanding peers. This was a lifesaver. Recently, I was even interviewed on the pod. See episode 69. Nice. I think it's great news that the Smell Podcast has been going for two years and helping folks in this niche group who have olfactory disorders. That is so wonderful. That's right. I can't tell you how important to me it's been to find others who've gone through what I've gone through, whether it's trauma or uh, fleeing an abusive situation or divorce or anything, um, to, to be able to connect with others and to have that baseline understanding, uh, a human understanding, so you can start a conversation. You don't have to explain yourself before you discuss explain yourself do you know what i mean absolutely and i'm so glad i'm so glad that you found that episode 69 nice (laughs) that's really cool you know i'm so happy that we live in an age where people can find community for just about any niche i mean on the flip side that also means that the worst people in society have found communities but it also means you can find community for your uh for your niche rare disorder so i'm happy for you carrie that is rad so if you also have this uh condition called anosmia Go check out the Smell Podcast. Or even if you don't, because I have no fucking idea what it's like to live with that condition, and maybe I should learn. So, um, okay. From Sarah. That's the next one. She, her. Sarah says, I live in a neighborhood where you can get a ticket if you park on the street overnight. That sounds really annoying. It can be a real bummer when I forget to pull my car in after a grocery run like I did last night. Luckily, today I woke up to no ticket on my windshield. I feel like I just won 50 bucks. I think I'll donate it to Biden-Harris or buy stamps. I don't know. I'm just kind of giddy about the whole thing. I've never won any money before. <laughs> I love how this, I want, this is like when uh, my mom used to say if something was on sale, she couldn't afford not to buy it, right? <laughs> like, and, then, and then dad would be like, uh, that's not how that works so i love that you think that you won money and i suggest buying a book of stamps and donating the rest to biden harris and Heck use yeah. use our link use our special beans link it's uh at my personal twitter feed at allison gill in the pinned tweet you'll see a little video of my face uh on vacation putting out a video to see if i could get everyone to contribute to biden and harris helping them raise 340 364.5 million dollars in august yay um so, do yeah, use that link if you can, because we're being tracked by campaign chair John Vane, and that's whose name you'll see in the link uh, when you donate. And, uh, you know, they, they want to kind of know what's, you know what social media and podcast influencers can do. So let's show them. Um, next up, from Anonymous, pronouns he, him. I haven't been dragged to an amusement park all summer. <laughs> the end. 
<laughs> you get the next I don't know. one too. I love going really to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And I like how amusement is in quotes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of miss going to amusement parks. I like I like a good I mean, you know, if you don't want to be there though, it's a bad time. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For true. That's for true. Um, do you want to get the next one or should I? You go ahead. Cool. All right. From Deborah. She, her, after a flat tire on the highway at the edge of the Bonneville salt flats, that's some desert shit. My husband and I decided <laughs> to improve our emergency preparedness. I suggested uh, AAA. He suggested ham radio. We compromised by doing both. My husband is a computer and electronics guy, so radio concepts are right up his alley, but I am an English major. After five weeks of cramming <laughs> math and physics concepts I haven't had to think about since high school, I am a licensed technician and I'm now studying Morse code. It's good to know my old brain can still learn nice Nice. morse code is very very interesting um (laughs) we had to learn it when uh when i was in the navy um in my particular job not i don't think everyone has to learn it (laughs) but in in my particular job um we had to know as nuclear reactor operators morse code um for communication purposes outside (laughs) the ship and i loved it and i also you know we also now everyone in the navy has to learn the phonetic alphabet as well you know which is alpha Bravo, Charlie, that whole thing. Uh, but very cool. That's really, really cool. I, I like that. I like the ham radio. Um, next up, good news story from Eric in D.C. Pronouns he, him. Hello, ladies. Your August recess. Recess. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely from D.C. Your August recess made me realize how much I love a daily dose of news with a dash of spicy speech. So the good news is, is that I am now a whistleblower patron. Oh, thank you so much. Whistleblower spoke to me because 25 years ago, I was one. So AG, I know firsthand the crushing pressure and enormous toll this can have on your life. My heart goes out to you on what you had to endure. I hope that someday you will be able to publish your full account. Thanks for all you do. Hang in there and keep the news coming. Well, good news, Eric from DC. I'm working on a book proposal right now. So maybe soon you'll be able to read the entire story or hear it in your ears because I'm sure I'll narrate the audiobook. I love it. Thank you, Eric. Now, you're going to read the next one, but I just have to comment. It's the name the name is Dr. Larry, Amazing Larry, and that is from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I just have to I just have to put that in there. Something you want to share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry? And I just <laughs> I absolutely think that's fantastic. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> I was I was just uh I think the last person who the last confess- confessor is rad because patrons are so important, especially in a year like this, and it's um it's really awesome to hear that you you know, missed us a little during during the break. And uh, if anyone else would like to become a patron, you should totally do that. Um, all right. The next one is from Dr. Larry slash Amazing Larry. I've never seen the movie of which you speak, so I'm really sorry that I couldn't laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm sure many of you were listening along being like, oh, my God, AJ, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, so mm-hmm. some of you know me from the group, our patron Facebook group or IRL. But for those who don't, I am a quadriplegic who was injured in a near fatal automobile accident. Sounds like bad news, I know. But the good news is August 31st was the 32nd anniversary of the accident. Needless to say, I overcame and am still overcoming on a daily basis huge obstacles. I returned back to school and ultimately received my doctorate. I lead a very active life. Lesson to learn. The most extreme of odds can be overcome if you don't stop fighting. Never give up. Ugh, it's Larry. Larry. I love Larry. We needed that right now. We needed that energy. I think we met Larry in person the first time we went to Politicon, um, Jordan and I, and um, we've been 
hanging out and talking to him ever since. He's he's on our happy hours and he's a, a patron and he's just an incredible, wonderful human being and a fucking hilarious dude too. And you've seen him post a lot in the Behind the Beans group. So thank you, Dr. Amazing Larry. I appreciate your, your fortitude. Um, next up from anonymous pronoun she her dear daily beans I live in very red portion t- uh, live in a very red portion of Texas around the corner from my apartment there are two houses that openly fly their Trump 2020 flags one of my neighbors in my building a young U.S. Coast Guardsman also has a Trump 2020 hat on the dash of his lifted truck I always get a little bit of joy from driving by these houses and flipping the finger out the window I also enjoy parking next to the neighbor with my veterans against Trump sticker I know it's petty but it helped me to blow off some steam today I noticed that one of the houses has removed the Trump flag and the U.S. Coast Guard member has removed the hat. Maybe they've changed their mind. One can only hope. Awesome. Yes, one can hope. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what what would have recently changed their minds on Trump, but at this point, whatever it takes. (laughs) Yep. Um, All right. We have time for one more piece of uh, listener good news. Cool. So, uh, Mandy, take it away. Okay, last one is from Rachel, she, her. Hi, Beans Queens. Uh, That was the first Democratic National Convention I've really watched. Uh, The previous ones didn't catch my attention. And I have to say, I'm invigorated. We have so many amazing people working for such important causes. The organizing work I've done so far has been out of fear. Fear of what another term of Trump would do to our communities, our democracies, and our very soul. But after watching the DNC, I'm organizing out of hope. Hope for the future and all the changes we want to make. Hope that we can right the ship and actually build back better. Hope that there are still people out there fighting the good fight and that we're all in this together. Hope for the next generation of activists who are making it into politics and organizing. I wanted to share this while still caught up in the buzz of hope because it's so easy to despair. But hope is such a powerful motivator and hope helps us envision and bring about a better future. Get out there and keep fighting the good fight, whatever way that looks for you. I love you all. We can do this. We are bending that arc towards justice and the Southern District. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Nice, nice. It bends toward the Southern District of New York. I appreciate that so much. And I, I, I have to tell you, I was... 100% 100% in for Biden when he was the presumptive nominee. I was a Warren Democrat before that. Um, and I I didn't feel very inspired uh, other than inspired to get Trump out of office. And then when Biden selected Kamala, um, like my soul welled up with hope and inspiration and, has, you know, just the historic nature of what we're going through and then the dnc just kicked it into high gear and so i totally get where you're coming from i i wanted to feel that inspiration i felt in 2007 and 2008 and now i have it and it's it's brilliant and wonderful so thank you for sharing that love it and thank you guys so much for uh for sending in your good news please send in more of your good news and aga i hope you'll have me back soon again sometime to read the good news Always when you're not grinding away over at BuzzFeed for your new job at what's it what's the what's the podcast called? So the podcast is called News O'Clock and it is a show that is with BuzzFeed and iHeartRadio and you can follow us on Twitter at News O'Clock. I have some I'm not um actually on the show as a host. My wonderful hosts are Casey and Hayes, but I'm the I'm a producer on their daily show. And uh my my Twitter is at Mandy underscore reader and um, if you don't see me at News O'Clock, you'll see me back here on the Beans uh, regularly and on our happy hours. Mm-hmm. And I am excited um, for this Friday, happy hour at 4 p.m. Pacific time, like back to normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, first hour is for patrons, second hour is for the public and patrons. So 
If you want to become a patron, just head to patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote. It's all the same. And, um, you know, sign up. And if you want to sponsor a patron, we've had hundreds and hundreds of people sponsor patrons. And if you want to sign up to be a sponsored patron because you can't swing it right now, or your frontline worker, uh, somebody in need, go ahead and sign up there, too. So it's all on the same website. And um, we really appreciate all of our patrons donating these one-year premium subscriptions to people who can't swing it right now. You guys... Your generosity continues never just every day I'm amazed by your incredible work, your generosity and and your engagement in this process. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you have anything else you want to add there, Mandy? No, that's it. No final thoughts from me. Uh, it was really great ha- coming on. Yep, it was great to have you. everyone again, send your positive vibes from Marley Moo and please take care of yourselves, take care of each other. take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Amanda Reader and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.